Welcome to the Valleybrook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from our Jesus Continued Sermon Series. This series digs deeper into who the Holy Spirit is, the Spirit's role, and why God desires for us to live Spirit-led lives. We hope you find this podcast meaningful. We love to hear how God is touching people's lives. Just go to our website at www.valleybrook.cc, select Contact Us, and send us an email. Good morning. It's good to see you all. At this time, we're going to release the children ages four through grade five to go to their classes in the children's ministry wing. We're in the middle of this series called Jesus Continued. It's all about the fact that Jesus said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. It's good for me to go away. So the Father will send the Holy Spirit in my name. If you've missed some of these messages, I encourage you to go to our website and listen to them. One of the things that we've been asking people all through this series is what's God doing in your life? What's the Holy Spirit saying to you? And last week we had somebody come and share. Today I'm gonna invite Karen Dumez to come up and share what the Holy Spirit's doing in her life. So Karen, come on up. Thank you, Clark. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Thank you. As Clark said, my name is Karen Dumez, and I'm humbled to say that I've been part of Valleybrook since 1999. It's amazing to see God's Holy Spirit working and stirring in the body of Valleybrook. I wanted to share how God has used his Holy Spirit to teach me and direct me, not only in my personal and spiritual life, but in my business life as well. I've owned a hair salon in Simsbury for the past eight years. This past fall, I realized that my current facility had gotten too small for my business and that it was time to think about expanding to a larger space. I prayed briefly about it and started looking. I saw many spaces and had many ideas and was led to a place that I thought would be perfect. My son and I and many friends had stood outside this building and prayed over it. The owner wanted all kinds of information, references from me. It took forever to move forward with the deal. I was being impatient and God gave me Psalm 13:5, And it said, I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. You know, God knew that I wanted to, he wanted me to trust him and rest in him and wait. Ugh. I hate waiting, (laughs) I don't know about you. Weeks went by and nothing, so I was frustrated again. Again, I prayed and the Holy Spirit spoke to me in a devotion. He said, anxiety is a result of the envisioning the future without me. So the best defense against worry is staying in communication with me. If you must consider upcoming events, follow these rules, one, Do not linger in the future because anxieties sprout up like mushrooms when you wander there. And two, remember the promise of my continual presence. The reality of my presence with you now and forevermore outshines any fantasy you could ever imagine. Holy cow, he was speaking right to me. (laughs) So I gave God my worry and the future of what was going to happen. The wait continued. Someone who I asked to help me find a facility much earlier finally contacted me. She said she had one place on the down low where there was a stylist that wanted to retire um, and I should call this real estate guy to check it out. 
So I decided to call, and guess what? He actually answered his phone. <laughs> he said that the only time he had to show me the space was 3.30 that day. Well, I had had a cancellation that morning in my schedule for guess what time? 3.30. <laughs> I called my daughter to go with me, and we both knew right away that this was the space that I should have. I uh, prayed, I went um, down the next morning to pray over the location early. And guess what? The owner was already there. So I prayed and I went into the space. This guy was 83 years old and we talked for a little while and we connected over different things. One being that we were both widowed. Well, we made a deal that morning. I praised God for having me wait but my trust lessons were not over yet. Again, I started making plans without asking the Holy Spirit to lead me. We had a tight construction plan to follow in order to have the renovation finished and move right in after the new year. I had everything lined up. I had the plumbing, electric, construction. We were ready to go. My brother-in-law was gonna be my GC and my carpenter. Well, right before the demolition, he was working on another project, fell off a deck, and tore his rotator cuff. I was freaking out. This time I did turn to prayer, and I asked God to help me and bring me the right carpenter. After interviewing and calling a few that didn't fit or never even called back, God answered my prayer. One of my clients had recommended someone, and when he walked through the door, it was someone I knew from my old church and later found out he was attending Valleybrook now. Oh, sadly, I didn't even know that. Another lesson learned about reaching out and meeting new people at church. He was a perfect fit with our crew. So Karen continued with her big plans to, um, and everything was going according to schedule. I was gonna have two businesses changing the old place into a kid's cut and doing the main salon downtown. We moved in on time and then started working on the kids' salon. Once again, a bad situation comes up, and I had to let go of one of my employees. Now I'm in trouble. The girl I let go was building her clientele, and I needed coverage for her. The woman who was going to run the kids' place had to stay downtown. I began to pray about getting a new person so I could continue my plans. Meanwhile, I was suffering with a back injury from a car accident that was getting worse because I stand on my feet all day. I saw two specialists and they said that I needed a fusion of my lower back. Ugh. I was so stressed about what was going on and finally I cried out to God. And that night, the Lord gave me a vision. It was, about, it was a vision of storm clouds, gray, black clouds rolling. And then all of a sudden they broke and a colorful light came through, and then it closed up, and then it came through over here and closed up, and one more time and closed up, and I woke up, and the Lord spoke to me, and he told me that this was a vision that I'm going through a storm right now, but he's the light behind the storm, and that I will see him in it. After that, I asked God, what do you want me to do? And he told me that I needed to get rid of the kids' salon and to trust him to provide for my needs. So I had an amazing peace after that come over me when I trusted God with this, which I know was the Holy Spirit. So I scheduled my surgery and began to search for another employee. Weeks passed and my surgery was getting closer. 
every single avenue my stylist and I searched came up empty. I started to get a little nervous again. And in my devotion, once again, God spoke to me. Waiting for me to work with your eyes on me is evidence that you really do trust me. If you mouth the words, I trust you, while anxiously trying to make things go your own way, your words ring hollow. Psalm 27:14. wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. And then John 14, 1 was there too, and it said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and also trust in me. Okay, okay, Lord. So I had a piece that, again, I know came from the Holy Spirit. And so I went to work, I finished my first client, and then my stylist grabbed me and she's like, you know, I'm really starting to get worried about finding someone. I'm not going to be able to do this all by myself. So I told her how I had prayed that morning, and God told me to trust, and that he had a plan and to hang in there. Well, the next client I had in my chair was new. And we talked, and she proceeded to tell me that she hadn't gotten a haircut in a whole year, and she found us on the Internet. So we chatted a little bit more, and as we consulted, she confessed that she was a hairdresser and had moved here from Florida. She had owned a 25-person salon there, and she hadn't worked in a year by choice, but was ready to start doing hair again. Well, let me tell you, I jumped all over that. She left with a haircut and a job. <laughs> it was awesome. God brought me not only this person, this experienced salon owner, but she was invested right from the start. She was perfect. You'd think that this is the perfect ending, right? But God wasn't done with me. Did you ever receive a message from God? You're all pumped up, and then the next situation comes up, and you're right back where you were, <laughs> worried, trying to do things in your own strength? Well, I had to trust these ladies with not only my business, but my ministry, it's my ministry. They would be in control of everything without me there. I had my back surgery and then struggled through two stays in the hospital. I was not allowed to do anything but walking around in the house and sitting on my bum at home. I was feeling sorry for myself and worried about my clients and how they were doing without me. And once again, God spoke to me through a devotional. Trust me and don't be afraid. Many things feel out of control. Your routines are not running smoothly. You tend to feel more secure when your life is predictable. Let me lead you to the rock that is higher than you and your circumstances. Take refuge in the shelter of my wings where you are absolutely secure. When you, sh you are shaken out of your comfortable routines, grip my hand tightly and look for growth opportunities. Instead of bemoaning the loss of your comfort, accept the challenge of something new. I lead you on from glory to glory, making you fit for my kingdom. Say yes to the ways I work in your life. Trust me and don't be afraid. Hello. Isaiah 12:2. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. When am I going to get this message? <laughs> Okay, Lord, help me to humble myself and trust in you and trust the people that you brought to me. <laughs> I know that my shop is my ministry, but it's God's ministry first, and he's got it better than me. Again, God gave me a peace and took my worry away. 
After a long recovery, I went back to church and the worship team played a song, Lord, I Need You. The words crushed me, but in a good way. It said, Lord, I come, I confess. Bowing here, I find my rest. And without you, I fall apart. You're the one who guides my heart. Lord, I need you, oh, I need you. Every hour, I need you. My one defense, my righteousness. Oh, God, how I need you. Well, needless to say, I lost it. It was ugly crying in the front row. Dan was so sweet. He, it was the last worship song, so he saw me a mess, and he sat down and comforted me. I had learned that I needed not only to trust my spiritual life to Jesus, but every aspect of my life to him, including my business. I need to remember that he's a bit better business planner than I am and that his plans are already set up for me if I don't mess it up. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans for hope and a future. I should come alongside him instead of running ahead. Looking back, I see the Holy Spirit in it all and I am very grateful. Hopefully, I'll learn from this and pray, seek, listen, and wait first to save me from making a wrong decision and that God's grace will keep rescuing me when I fall ahead of him. Thank you so much for letting me share. I'm going to pray. I want to pray for Karen and your ability to trust God and for all of us. And uh, let's just uh, bow our heads. Father, we thank you for Karen's story, for her transparency. Lord, we all struggle to trust you in uh, different areas. And so, Lord, I pray for her and I pray for each one of us that we could trust you, that you have everything under control. And if we would just wait on you, we would see it. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. So this week, as I was thinking about this message, I was thinking about this Sunday, and I knew Karen would share, and I knew that we were going to be talking a little bit about Father's Day, and I couldn't help but think about my own dad. He's been gone for almost two years now, but I realized the blessing I had in having him, and one of the things that I think about with my own dad was that he would encourage me at just the right time. It wasn't all the time, but it was just the right time when I was growing up, when I was a little kid, and even when I was in my late 40s and early 50s, you know, he just knew what to say at the right time. And, and so I thank God for that. And the challenge for that, honestly, as I bring it up on Father's Day, is for fathers and mothers, is we have the power to do amazing things by encouraging our kids. Now, I also think about our Heavenly Father who desires to encourage us all the time. He's given us his word in the Bible, He's given us the Holy Spirit. Remember, Jesus said, it's good that I go away because then the Father will send you the advocate, the, the Holy Spirit, to be with you. And, and so this morning, I want to talk about the Holy Spirit power that we need to live in and dwell in. And, and I, as we do that, I, 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 am, I think about what happened with Jesus as he was preparing to ascend to heaven. So I'm going to jump into uh, the Gospel of Luke. Uh, the la in the last chapter, chapter 24, I'm going to look at verse 49. This is Jesus. He's, he's getting ready to ascend into heaven, and he says this. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised you, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. 
Luke also wrote the book of Acts and he goes into a little bit more detail there in the first chapter so he says in my former book Theophilus I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen after his suffering he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God and he said do not leave Jerusalem but wait for the gift my father promised which you have heard me speak about for John baptized with water but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth so Jesus gets he's crucified he's buried he's resurrected he comes back to life he defeats the power of death and sin all this power and then for 40 days he teaches the disciples and the other followers about the kingdom of God and then he ascends into heaven and he says wait wait now he said wait for the promised uh, the promised holy spirit to come uh, you know the holy the, the disciples knew about the spirit of god but they had never had the holy spirit live in them and so they went and they waited and prayed and i suspect you know they didn't know exactly what to expect but the day the holy spirit came upon them they were given power to be witnesses and to build up other believers by the gifts that God give, gave them. You can read about that in Acts chapter 2. What's so impressive to me, though, is this idea that they had to wait. Now, thanks to the day of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit coming down and the disciples waiting for it, we no longer have to wait. When we come to faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live in us. You know, Jesus told the, the disciples, you know, the Holy Spirit who live, is with you, but then when he comes, he will be in you. And so by faith, when we believe in Jesus, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and he lives in us. It's so powerful. Listen to what the Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians. He said, when you believed in Christ, he identified you by his own by, his own, by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give you the inheritance he has promised. So God gave us the Holy Spirit to be our advocate, but also as a guarantee of the promise of eternal life. So the Holy Spirit doesn't just live with us. The Holy Spirit lives in us. We don't need to wait for him like the apostles waited, but we do need to approach the Holy Spirit with a particular kind of posture. And that posture is the posture of surrender. Now, I don't say the word surrender casually. In fact, I suspect some of us are uncomfortable with that word because it means giving up something. But, but here's what you need to know. As a follower of Christ, and if you're not one, you're gonna get an inside look about what it means to be a follower of Christ. We're called to not live for ourselves, but to live for God. Listen to these words from Jesus. He spoke them in the Gospel of Matthew. He said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Now, I, every time I read that, I think that's so ironic because um, 
while Jesus had foreknowledge, he knows all things, he knew he was going to die upon the cross, nobody else did, but he uses this idea to take up your cross and follow me. So Jesus already demonstrated knowing what uh, he was going to have to take. He used this that which would be so meaningful to us after his death and his resurrection. We would understand it at a deeper way. Now, don't get me wrong, in first century Jerusalem, they understood what crucifixion was. They understood what taking up their cross was. That was the main form of capital punishment in, ancient, in the ancient Roman world. And so they had seen many people crucified, but now they had this idea that they were supposed to take up their cross. What did that mean? It's a powerful word picture for us to understand that we're supposed to take up the agenda of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that we're, we're supposed to say yes and embrace what God has for us. The next part of that verse, verse 25, says this, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. So, so Jesus was telling his, his followers that he came to give them life but it came by following God, by giving up their agenda and by taking on God's agenda. In another place in the Gospel of John, Jesus says, I have come to give you life, give you life to all its fullest. So many of us think in, a, in our material world that you know, a full life means lots of stuff, but what Jesus was saying and what we need to know as his followers is that to have life to its fullest is to, by faith, believe in Jesus, to trust him like Karen was talking about and to surrender our lives understanding that he's going to do great things through our lives. Jesus calls us as his followers to surrender our lives to him, to deny ourselves, to take up his agenda. The apostle Paul understood this. He, he was a man who basically had grown up very uh, uh, well-to-do as a Pharisee and, and as a follower of Judaism, and he had a radical conversion experience with Jesus, and he gave all that away to become a follower of Jesus. And when he wrote to the church in Rome, this is what he said. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship think that through he said in, in view of God's mercy to you God's mercy was displayed upon the cross for us think that through in view of the mercies that God has showered on us we're supposed to offer our lives as a sacrifice to God in other words to say we're going to give up our agenda and we're going to take on your agenda we're going to surrender what we think we need to do and we're going to let you be in charge we're going to trust you folks that means that we understand that to walk in the power that God desires in the power of the Holy Spirit it does require us to yield what we want to surrender to what God wants and to trust him to trust that he's going to do amazing things through our lives so what does he want to do through our lives what does he want to do Jesus tells us. He says he wants to do greater things in our lives. L listen to these words from Jesus. In the Gospel of John, 
Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Sort of mind-blowing, isn't it? That, that we would be able to do greater things than Jesus, but that's why he ascended into heaven. That's why he and the Father sent the Holy Spirit so we could do the greater things that he was calling, it to us, calling us to do. And it happened on the very day that the Holy Spirit came down. On the day of Pentecost, it says, over 3,000 people put their faith in Jesus and were baptized. Now think that through. In Jesus' three-year ministry, he didn't have 3,000 converts, but on the, the day the Holy Spirit came down, 3,000 people came to faith. And then think this through. In, in the life of Jesus, in his three-year ministry, he did not travel all over the world, but really confined himself to, to uh, that little strip of, of land, really between Nazareth and Jerusalem, and a little bit off to the east and the west. But those 3,000 people that came to faith that day were not just from Jerusalem. They were from all over the known world and when they went back home the gospel spread to hundreds thousands of miles into the known world going farther than it further than it had when Jesus was on the earth now some people see these words about Jesus about doing greater things and they think of fame and fortune now please know that the greater things are not about making people famous but they're always about us making God famous, sharing with people about God's power and might in our lives. The Holy Spirit is not going to empower us for our glory, but for God's glory. Working for God is not about what we can do for God. It's about faithfully doing what God's Spirit leads us to do. We are to place all we have in God's hands and trust him to do miraculous things to do the greater things now some of you are thinking you know wow does that mean God wants to make me a missionary I'm not sure I want to do that well here's the deal some of you may be called to be a missionary we've had we've sent missionaries short term and long term out from our congregation but the truth of the matter is a missionary is somebody who lives in a certain place and tells people about Jesus and builds up other people who are believers in Jesus Christ and every single one of us has been placed where we are in life to share with the people that are around us about Jesus and to encourage those who are fellow followers of Jesus Christ. We've been called to do that. That's part of our job. Jesus calls us to do that. He calls us to follow him God wants us to be his witnesses he wants us to to share the saving grace he wants us to build up fellow believers the Holy Spirit came to use us to use us to be witnesses and build the church numerically but also to be uh, witnesses who use the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us to build up the body of Christ and encourage fellow followers to grow closer to him We're going to move into a time where I want to share with us how we can really open our hearts and our minds to the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. But as, I, as they come up, I, I want to ask you to think about something. 
Do you recognize that you were made for something bigger than living, you know, 80, 85, 90 years on this earth? That, that you were made for something more important than working for 40 years and then retiring and enjoying your pension? That, that your life has purpose that will live on beyond you if you allow God to work in you and through you? You know, God may use you in your work environment to share Christ with people so that there'll be a, a legacy that you let you leave. God may use what you do for employment to, to pour into the kingdom of God in ways that only you know. God may use you to raise up a, a new generation of Christ followers, whether it's teaching them in Sunday school or, or them being your own children. God may do amazing things if we recognize that this life as followers of Jesus is really not our life it's his life and all we do is for his glory and so we have the opportunity to, to go back to what I said earlier is to take that posture of surrender and to say to God God I'm your son I'm your daughter have your way I yield to you, Holy Spirit. I surrender my life to you. All that you've given me, use it for your glory. You see, we were made for something more important. And we understand that when we see that God has created us and has a plan and a purpose for our lives where we can walk in his power and do great things, but it only is accessible by us stopping this posture of this and taking a posture of this. So like we've been doing all through this series, I'm going to invite you to stand up and I'm going to invite you to put your hands out, open palms, not holding anything and just saying, Lord, I'm going to surrender to you. We're going to sing, I surrender all again. And as we sing it, look at those words, those lyrics and, and don't just sing them Pray them to God and ask him to have his will and his way in your life. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.